0: This episode of the SDSU podcast is sponsored by Mars Energy Cream, the first ever topical energy delivery product. Think energy drink, but it's a lotion. It contains a proprietary blend of natural ingredients, including caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins to provide an energizing boost. And unlike traditional energy drinks and gels, Mars Energy Cream is sugar-free, contains no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. If you want to try it out, Go to MarsEnergyDrinkCream.com and use the code ANDRE, spelled A-N-D-R-E, at checkout to receive 15% off a purchase of a 50ml tube. Listening to the SDSU Podcast, presented by the East Village Times, with your hosts, Andre Hekberdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the SDSU Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andre Hekberdian, and joined by Mr. Paul Garrison. What's going on, Paul? What's
1: going on, Andre? Happy Thanksgiving week to you,
0: sir. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm back. We're we're both back in San Diego after our trips. You made uh two trips. That was crazy. And we both were ended up in Vegas by Sunday night for the uh the final of the Continental Tire main event, which San Diego State won in overtime. It's a thrilling game. Uh but you were in San Jose first to uh cover the football team's last road game of the season. They uh I think the game, they got the opening score. We were up 7 uh tied at halftime, but fell behind in the second half and lost to San Jose State. What well, we were your overarching uh, thoughts as you were uh, live in person covering that game?
1: I mean, there's a lot of them. I, I It was a blur of a weekend, um, if everybody is not familiar with the story. Uh, I was in the airport waiting for my flight to San Diego, and I got a message from my brother. and um, he had picked up my children and were taking them to Las Vegas to watch the basketball game. And he's like, bro, I'll pay for your flight. Come over. So, uh, you know, it's a free flight. Right. You got to do it. Um, so I fly over there. My flight, because of all the crazy weather that's going on in Vegas, my flight was delayed four hours. Andre and I had had texts and we were like, maybe going to meet up for dinner or something like that. And he's, he's like, okay, let me know what your plans are. And they were just completely messed up. So instead of getting in there at two, I got in there at five 30. And the you know, game was at seven. The game was at seven. So I, I I Uber over. And then at this point, I'm asking, like, my kids should be in Las Vegas. And I call my brother and there are sandstorms that have blocked the 15 freeway and it's closed. And so they were sitting in the the middle of the desert, um, trying to get to um, T-Mobile Arena. So they eventually got there on, you know, I have I have his Google location, and I kept showing it to Andre. Like, look, they moved a mile, you know. And then finally, they crossed into Nevada, and they they got there at halftime. Um, they got a little bit of a, a bonus basketball because they went into overtime. So we you know yeah. walked on the strip a little bit after. Um, the game. So they got they got the experience and then drove home and and, and got there last night or yesterday afternoon um, evening. And um, but anyway, go back to San Jose State. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I think you can look at certain games, Boise State, Colorado State, Nevada, losses that San Diego State has had where you're not really sure that the best team won. Like you could make the argument and say, like, okay, you just just watching that game, not taking their whole body of work, but just watching that game, you could say, man, San Diego State, man, they could have done a little bit more. They should have won this game. It did not feel like that, despite the score against San Jose State. Um, it felt like San Jose State was the better team, um, and I think that, as I wrote in the article, uh, the my my kind of like takeaway article from that game. Um, I, I thought it really reflected very well on their head coach. Um, they only have seventeen seniors, I think started one in five. They played a lot of the better teams in the conference at the beginning. They played USC. they played you know, they're really close with um Toledo from the from the Mac. and they their season very much looked like San Diego State, except they've reeled off five in a row. It was just an interesting, interesting setup um in San Jose from you know, just the the way that all of it um, went about. But I think that, you know, what Brennan has been able to do at San Jose State in getting a commitment from the community to build a new athletic program um, to, you know, the upgrades that have been around for all of their stuff, it, it's, it's frankly quite impressive. And I think that was probably my biggest takeaway is that, you know, San Jose State was clearly better. Um, They had the best player on the field in their quarterback who just commanded um, the game and given uh, just the fact that they're 20 some odd miles or hotels, 20 some odd minutes from Stanford and all of the things around it for him to have been able to do that, I thought was pretty special.
0: Yeah, you know, full full disclosure, this is I did not watch this game in its entirety, as I told you earlier, before we start recording first time all year. You know, I was out and about in Las Vegas on my day off uh, between uh, basketball tournament games. And, you know, I did get the cigar bar I was at, meeting up with some friends to put it on one of the TVs uh, in the corner of where we were sitting. So I did was able to watch some of it. I've obviously, you know, read your recap and looked at the box score, Um, just overarching. It looked like. You know, the offense did what it's done a few times this year, come out and score on the opening drive, ball control, kind of do what Ryan Lindley's offense talked about all offseason what it wanted to do, and then it kind of just stopped from there. And by the time the other team got going offensively and took the lead, it was just, you know, the offense ran out, the team ran out of time. Uh but the part of the game I did see was late in the game when the San, San Diego State was going to tie the game and they're at the goal line they had that touchdown called back and then a fourth down play at the goal line i think they're at the five maybe and they decided to kick the field goal which with seven or eight minutes left let me see exactly how much was left yeah 8:54 left they kicked the 21 yard field goal so they're at the four typically it's not a ter- it's not a bad decision but i think given the circumstances i would like to see them go for it and you know what happened was it was raining, tackling got really poor, and uh, you know it looked like I think in three or four plays, San Jose State took the ball down and scored a touchdown on running plays, uh, and the game was pretty much over there. That's kind of the the extent of the the live action I saw, uh, unfortunately. But you know it's San Jose State was on fire heading into this game. They had a four game winning streak. They had b- beaten some good teams. they had put up a lot of points. You know, San Diego State seemed to do a pretty good job defensively against them, even only giving up 24 points, even with that late score. You know, at this point in the season, there's no moral victories anymore or um, grander thoughts about next year because so much of the staff is not going to be here next year, right? And some of these players, some of these seniors who are going to be gone, like a Jalen Maiden and a Sed Barfield and – some of those guys who you know have no eligibility left, and so um, you know one game left.
1: Yeah, and and you know just going into some of the grades, I, I thought that um, the running backs um, I thought got an A. Um, you know, I think the Jalen Armstead especially, uh, he obviously had a huge game. Um, I think that sometimes lost in a, in a defeat is how special it is for a kid to be able to do what he did, just in the sense of. You know, he's expected to have this bigger role. Um, I think early in his career, he flashed some things, had some big scrimmages. I think he was used a little bit um, as motivation for some of the older guys to really get there as an under-freshman. And so he's always carried with him this, these, like, expectations. Um, and then going into this season, it was the thunder and lightning between he and and Keenan Christian. And and it just didn't develop. I mean, to the point where Lucky Sutton was able to start getting his snaps. And um Jalen uh went down to the scout team, um, Coach Lindley told us. And um that he was able, obviously Sutton had some injuries, but also um, you know, his his play improved, and now he finds himself in this position. And I thought he was just terrific. Uh we yeah, had that he uh, as Coach Hoke said, post game, he ran downhill. Unlike a lot of running backs this year, he, he made the right cut when they were when it was there and and found the hole as opposed to you know running right into a defender. You know, I think again, it's 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 a really good story of just perseverance and being willing to to do that next level kind of stuff. So I thought that was that was that was good. Uh, the flip side of that is I thought, you know, Jalen Maiden had a very bad performance. He had a couple of really nice throws, um, thinking of a third and 12 that he completed for 15 yards to Philippe Wesley uh, for um, a first down that Wesley did a really great job of going down and getting it. But it was exactly like where Maiden needs to throw that ball. And it's a catch that, you know, it's just, it was a really skillful play that, you know, if it's in any other location, Wesley doesn't have a chance at it. And, you know, it could get picked, it you know, all the bad things that could happen. And so that was great. Um, but, you know, this is one of the first times that San Diego State had a legitimate running game since the beginning of the year. Um, and it was, you know, it's one thing. It just, again, it's that inconsistency, right? Like games where they haven't had that good running game. He's passed really well and has found open guys and all that stuff. And then that wasn't there. Um, and so that was that was interesting. Uh, I thought that, you know, the offensive line, if you could do grades into to two parts. Um, anyways, let me, let's start there. Running backs, quarterbacks. Um, so I, I had a I had an A for the running backs and I had a D for the quarterback. Yeah, it's
0: hard to not give running backs an A, especially Jalen Arnstead's performance. Nobody else seemed to get any more than three carries. So it looked like it was for the first time maybe in two years, it was a one man show, which is maybe refreshing for some fans to see one guy get in a rhythm, get uh, the ball, get fed the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, Maiden completed fifteen passes, but only 117 yards. So, the the yards per completion are fairly low, and in two interceptions. I did see one of. I saw both of them, but they both look like they were late throws to Mark Redmond. I think mm-hmm. were they both to Redmond? Yeah. Well, second one was later in the game, where he was rolling out to his right. I think he threw across his body or or across mm-hmm. the
1: field. Yeah, and, and then uh, I was gonna comment about the offensive line. It's almost like if you could split it between run and pass, you know, San Jose was uh and and again, I mean you have to do what the defense is going to be willing to give you. But San Jose, um, they rushed four predominantly the whole night. Um, they have a good defensive line again. Um and I thought that they were able to pressure Maiden enough to make him feel uncomfortable. Um, like you did you just talked about with that rollout. Um, flip side of it was I thought that for you know one of the few times there were consistent holes all game um and big holes and and so i thought you know they they inserted uh tommy marabella um you know ross was was back at center and um at right guard they had uh marabella playing uh and it seemed it seemed to 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 do that obviously they had kate bennett back um at, at left guard um and so they, they they just looked a little bit like refreshed and um like i said i thought thought they opened the holes which was good, um, but I, I thought that, you know, given that they only had four guys, you know, I think you would have liked to have seen a little bit more, a few of just those like, okay, when's the pass rush going to get there? When's the pass rush going to get there? And he just has so much time to be able to to make something happen. And so, I, I, you know, it's kind of like an A and a C, and so I guess a B- minus could be in that, in that area for the offensive line, um, given the holes that were there um you know wide receiver they they, you know same kind of things they had a couple of plays they could have made there there was some separation there's a there's a few uh two screens that looked really well designed and really set up and they slipped um and and couldn't get any they got zero yards off of them and like they really looked like they if they they were set up to go um so obviously Maiden's numbers would have looked a lot better there but um you know it's it's just the lack of explosive plays that continues to be something that that is there with the um the wide receivers and then when you know when it comes to uh you know Felipe wesley it's good to see him back i thought he did have a very nice game but you know going to the tight ends and i just i you know obviously the hold that um they they called on um cam harple and, and honestly looking at it again uh he tackled the guy <laughs> it's just he went to the ground, and, and as yeah. Harper went to the ground, he pulled the guy on top of him, um, and it was right at the point of attack. Uh, if you're if you're if you're being um, cr- critical of the refs, which you know kind of goes with the territory, um, except when Don Demars is taking a great picture of them, which, <laughs> which he did in Colorado State. There was not an accepted penalty, if I'm remembering this right, through three quarters, and it's like really that game was that clean. <laughs> that there were no, you know what I mean? They had a chance on, um, I think, one or two, and both of them were declined. You know, it just seemed like a weird, you know, th- you know there was a, a run that, um, a big run that that Armstead got for 21 yards, and they, they gave a face mask. And then a couple of plays later, they're calling that hole. And it was just like, ah, man, it, it's weird that there was just, they were that clean the whole night. Uh, then, you know, uh, Redmond obviously he, he didn't have a chance. I don't believe on any of the, either of the two interceptions, uh, but uh, there was a first, there was a drop that he had um, and that would have went for a first down, extended a drive um, given San Diego state. I think some momentum, I mean, you know, I think the broken record that's been um, throughout is you know, they get to midfield and then they kind of, they kind of stopped. Um, and so I think that was apparent, um, but, You know, San Jose State played the game that they wanted to play. Uh, They they were able to get them to, um, they were able to to limit the number of possessions, not allow San Jose State big um, offense to to be able to have multiple opportunities. Um, But you know, it just it was at the end, it was just all for naught.
0: Yeah, one thing to add, it's nice to see Philippe Wesley get snaps, get targets get in the box score you know four catches 48 yards um you mentioned that one where he went to the ground and got it um you know he was a guy that I just and I think you would agree based on fall camp and spring Camp was becoming one of Jalen Maiden's kind of security blankets and a yeah. guy that looked for him and we thought that would this would be his moment to shine once the season started and he got injured I think late in fall camp. And missed the first couple games, and then by the time he was healthy, seemed to kind of be behind a few other guys, and never really got going this year. And it's just one game, uh, but it's it's a you know it's nice to see him contribute. Uh, we'll see what he does in this final game, but uh, something to look at and for next year when you're you know the wide receiving most of the wide receivers, I think Breon Penny does have a eligibility for a, a super senior. But the rest of these guys are all, you know, younger, uh, and all can be back. You know, obviously, it has to be mutual. We've learned that within this day and age, the player wants needs to be back, and the coaching staff would want them back. But you know, he's another guy to look out for for next year as someone that you know showed promise, didn't do it, didn't quite uh, get there due to you know injuries and, and and opportunities. But someone to look forward to for
1: next year. I also talked about in the article that I wrote about just like the rest of just my thoughts that were there. They had three starters who were first time starters on, um, on Saturday. Uh, help me. I'm going to blank on the defensive guy, but they had two fullbacks, Nick Gardnera, Leo Kemp. who Brady yeah, Anderson. Thank you. Brady Anderson, who started for the first time. Um, but cool. Like, uh, well, Leo Kemp. I want to talk about Leo camp that the, they had three guys who were their starters for the first time. And that made 18, 19, and 20 guys who this year have made their first starts for the Aztecs. Some of that is because the guys who are above them weren't performing and they had to try to find different guys, um, which is an indictment enough on on just the the development, the progress of those guys. But I think it just show, goes to show how young this team was and how inexperienced they were. And 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 you know, I think I I, I think ultimately when you look at their inability to correct problems that they had that is the symptom of youth that not enough of these guys have played enough football to be able to fix some of the things that are there Um, and that's why young guys typically don't play even if you know they're as athletic because when they face like think about um, going back to last year and all the false start penalties that were on the offensive line and so many of those guys just hadn't played a whole bunch they were out of their new positions or they were just young and they just kind of couldn't fix it And, you know, you haven't seen a ton of that this year because, you know, you get that age to them. So it's not an excuse at all, but it's just I I think, you know, what you're describing, what we're describing here, I think that's that's a part of it. And I think it bodes well for people who are hoping that San Diego State can have a quick turnaround. So I think that's important. You know, they've got 18 seniors on the team. 13 of those
0: can come back and be super seniors next year, but they've got 21 juniors. 26 sophomores yeah. and then 37 redshirt freshmen or freshmen. They're it's very lean heavily towards um sophomores and freshmen right now. Freshmen. And Brady Hoke kind of talked about that today about I think somebody asked him what are you what is what are you leaving for the new coach or or what is the new coach coming into something like that. And he talked about the youth of the team and the freshmen and the sophomores that are going to be around, that like are the the next coaching staff is going to rely on in the next two years, let's say, to be there. You know, obviously, transfer portal will bring in new players as well. No denying that, but the the crux of this team and the and the guys who are going to play on in the next two years are guys who are freshmen and sophomore this year. Brady, he he was like, you know, when we go to when we do our meals on Fridays, you know, we they go up by uh class. So the seniors go up there and then the juniors go up there. And Brady always mentions like, oh, there's a lot more guys, there's a lot less guys that are seniors and juniors than they're sophomore and freshmen, which is a good sign. And then he kind of was talking about like, oh, that guy, that guy's that guy's gonna be good. That guy's gonna be good. And or or that guy, oh, he didn't quite pan out like what we thought. You know, that was interesting to hear him say that on both ends, right? Positive and negative. But it, the whole point of that is to say, like, he sees it. And and obviously, it's it's in the, the roster that there's a an abundance of guys that are, you know, freshmen, redshirt freshmen or sophomore. And those are the guys that this new coaching staff is going to need to rely on and, and develop, continue developing. To help them win games in the next two years. But
1: Leo Kemp. uh, So Andre has. We have. Andre did not make the executive producer decision to start to put the full video up on YouTube until like like way after and stuff like that. And um, I still say that Leo Kemp had one of the best setups for a Zoom meeting when he was back Mm -hmm. home before he came on. Um, And and so he just. He just he he if you have not listened to Leo Kemp's interview, um, and you're listening to us now talk about the San Jose State game, you clearly love San Diego State, so um, and if you have if you missed that one, go back and listen to to Leo, um, just absolutely as a young guy, completely just uh, stole the interview, um, was was terrific, um, and so for for him to come full circle and now here he is, obviously he won the fullback job. He's played the most, but he earned his first start and they had a two fullback set. They went power, they went big, they went ball control to try to, again, take the ball um, away from one of the best offenses, you know, in the Mountain West and the West. Uh, I think it was, what, 51st overall in college football coming into the game. So I mean, this team could play and, and they did that by, you know, depending on some of that youth. But it's just, it's a good story. He sees a walk on. Um, he's a guy who, uh, you know, as there as coach Lindley brought the fullback in and we'll see if the fullback continues, you know, talk about being in limbo. Um, his position could be eliminated from San Diego state altogether, potentially for next year. Um, yeah, but yeah. this, is this is a guy who Leo Kemp, who, you know, he had a, he had a, 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 a catch and an eight yard gain where he made a guy miss um, in Hawaii, but you know, uh, coming in, I don't think either of us thought that he was big enough to handle the position. But he has, you know, used his wrestling history and and just the 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 competitiveness that he's done. Um and so I thought it was it was a well deserved first start. And um I think, you know, I think that uh if the new coach is coming in and he's trying to look at the roster and seeing, you know, what are some of the things that they've done well, I, I do think they've done a good job in getting back to that that um power running game and and doing some of those things with the fullback. Um, and, you know, you have a guy on your roster like Leo Kemp and it, it might make you at least keep keep an idea that that should be part of what the Aztecs do going forward.
0: Yeah. One one thing to throw out there, like a lot of times the way that starts are counted this year or now is like if, if you if you run your, so who's out there on the first play of the game and if the offensive sure. coordinator calls uh, a play with three running backs on the first play of the game, you get the start and you may not play the rest of the game. But Leo played 24 snaps in this game. It wasn't like he just played a couple snaps. Ah, good point. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, he got a start, and he really played. I mean, the only other game this year he had more than 10 snaps was against Hawaii in mm-hmm. 18. And that was in probably the other game where – that was the game Lucky Sutton, uh, and the running game got going and scored, I think, four rushing touchdowns in that game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that you're right. That's the one thing you – this is the first year they kind of re-recruited a fullback position, and with a new staff, and we don't know who the offensive, who will be running the offense. We the fullback might be gone again, and and uh, he either may need to adjust his role and his position, or he might need to, you know, look elsewhere potentially. So, and um, sure. and
1: he's going to have tape to be able to do it. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. been a you know one thing that you've learned about the transfer portal. If if that's what happens guys who have tape are the ones who are attractive because coaches know what they have, like game film, you know? Um, so a lot a lot of good stuff there. Episode of the SDSU
0: Podcast is sponsored by Mars Energy Cream, the first ever topical energy delivery product. Think energy drink, but it's a lotion. It contains a proprietary blend of natural ingredients, including caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins to provide an energizing boost. And unlike traditional energy drinks and gels, Mars Energy Cream is sugar-free, contains no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. If you wanna try it out, go to marsenergydrinkcream.com and use the code Andre, spelled A-N-D-R-E at checkout to receive 15% off a purchase of a 50 milliliter tube. You know, Moving on to the defense against San Jose State. Um, San Jose State had come in as a pretty hot team. They were rushing. They had rushed over 200 yards over the last four games. Um, up until maybe the last two drives of the game, they had held them in check, rushing the ball. Uh, they only ended up at 183 yards, it looks like, 181 yards. So and it's still a large number, but it's less than what San Jose State had been doing. Up until uh that game. What what being there in person, what did you make of the defensive performance? Well, you know, I thought that the offense was
1: the best defense. You know, I, I thought that overall they were able to keep them off the field. It seemed like San Jose State's offense was in control. Uh, you know, the the their first touchdown, um, I think the the run pass ratio was split in half. Cordero, their quarterback, was just better than Um, A lot of the quarterbacks they had seen this year, uh, he could find the open guy. He was particularly good at, you know, picking up curl routes. And, you know, San Jose was clearly um, wanting to be wary of the double move and the big plays, which, you know, obviously came in the second half. So, you know, I I didn't think it was the strongest performance. You know, obviously, there's two ways to look at it. They still have scoring 24 points, but they had limited possessions. You know, it's it's um, kind of a broken record and the broken record of just bad tackling, inability to bring people to the ground. It got harder for both teams when the wind and the elements and all those things, you know, came about. And San Diego State needed to get a stop and they couldn't. And and so like uh, those a lot of those rushing yards came at the, the end of the game. And so I thought that, you know, overall, it wasn't a great performance um, by the defense. Uh, what were your thoughts? Most of what I
0: saw was that last two drives and not being able to get a stop, not being able to bring a guy down, you know, despite the weather elements was disappointing. But yeah, but yeah, you're I think that last drive, the the scoring drive, they gave up like about 80 yards rushing on that one drive. You take that out, they're probably under 100 yards for the game. That, that was, you know, kind of the game right there, because if you can get the ball back, uh down four the offense could have a chance to to go win it but
1: no absolutely uh, they 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 like i said they did, they did okay against it but it's just it's the number of of drives that that they yeah. were able to to take away from them but i mean you know that's kind of the whole point they, absolutely they had over 100 yards in those last two drives easily over 100 yards they they had the a very weird um they had a very weird kickoff return that you thought would like set up well for San Diego state down seven the and, guy who caught the ball, he kneels down at the six and San Jose state's going, Hey, wait, fair catch, fair catch, fair catch. And the refs get on there and they say the guy who waved for a fair catch was not the guy who caught the ball. Therefore the ball's at the six. And so you're like, okay, well, Hey, yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm watching this at the cigar bar with the sound off. Right.
0: Yeah. And I saw that and I can't hear the whistles or anything. Right. So. I just assumed they gave the guy they gave them the fair catch, and then you know the next of course. screen they're running the ball at the four yard line or, or running the, play at the 4 yard line, and then I thought, okay, well maybe they said he didn't do the proper fair catch. I didn't realize that it was a different guy made the signal. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so I mean, you know, and they had the opportunity um, to to be able to to try to actually get in the game, and obviously they couldn't do it. Um, you yeah, know, I will say that post game. I thought that the the locker room was the most somber than it had been the whole year. And it's always somber after a loss and there's been a lot of them. Um but this was was particularly somber. You know, I, I just didn't think that that there was a lot of um I didn't get really expected to win and and we're really disappointed that that, you know, the same sort of, you know, the game is close in the fourth quarter and then they couldn't pull it out. Um but you know, again, it's, it's, it's the entirety of the game. Um, Not a lot of uh, penetration by the defensive line would have given them a very low grade. Um, You know, the linebackers, they played okay. They had, they had, they had, they were the ones that had the tackles for loss, Um, obviously losing um, their best defender, uh, especially in the front six um, Zyrus Fiseu um, early with what looked like a, you know, a concussion kind of thing. And, you know, I, 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 uh, Admired um, the way in which um, Cody Moon took over after that. They kind of came up to the line and they were going to play, and it did not look like the refs figured out that he was that it was more than just a stinger. And it was Cody Moon who was saying, like, you know, to the field, "Come on, come on, come on, you guys need to come over," and all those kinds of things. And I and I think uh, Cooper McDonald did the same. And so I thought that was, you know, they helped their teammate in that in that move. Um, So you know, they're they're great. But again, you know, the 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 lack of tackles part of it is the opportunity um i do want to point out in the in talking about the defense um i thought chris johnson's play um was you know it, it's it's what's going to prevent um cordero as good as he is um i think will ultimately prevent him from playing in the nfl he he just does not have um enough of an arm um to be able to 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 hit deep routes when he doesn't see it immediately. And so what happened was um, their slot receiver had beaten, I believe it was Marcus Ratcliffe, but he didn't see it right away. So he came back to him in his progression. And then by the time he let it go, um, you know, Ratcliffe got back into the play. But I thought more impressively, Johnson left his man who was on the sideline and he and came over and like switched people and and made a play and you know a lot of uh younger guys would not have um that sort of just I don't know what the right word is but they would just kind of they would be slow to want to leave their own person to be able to go and to make a play and um I thought that was a really really big play and and you know obviously they only got a field out of it cuz the offense couldn't do anything but like the entire field position was set up by what Johnson did and you know I think that overall you know when you're when you're looking at um, Cordero not even getting 200 yards passing. Obviously, he only threw the ball 20 times. I think that, you know, that again, it's, it's just it's the same old thing, man. Like that's a very efficient 15 for 20, a touchdown, um, 174 yards. Um, and obviously he didn't throw the final couple of, of, of drives, but this game went the way the Aztecs wanted it to go. Um, yeah, look at the number of, of total plays that, yeah. San Jose State got um, you know it's 49 total plays um, and San Jose got 41 rushing attempts I mean they they, they the game went the way that San Jose wanted it but again the big play um, showed up you know gave up a 42 yard pass a 20 yard pass um, obviously the big runs 57 um, yarder obviously which uh, Koch said after the game that that was because of an assignment error which again it's the same sort of broken record i think as you used one time in one of your your recaps where it's just this is just what's continued to happen over and over again and so that's that's kind of my defensive synopsis
0: against colorado state they had zero tackles for losses this game they had three but that's still too low yeah Uh, and then that's 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 overall as a defense whether it's the defensive line the linebackers corners and safeties covering and giving those guys rushing time to get to the quarterback. Uh, so Darius Barfield, he had seven tackles led the team. I was surprised to see that it was the first time in his career that he led the team in tackles for a guy that's been a starter for, for so many years. Um It was his 49th game as an Aztec. And so this last one on Saturday will be his 50th game, you know, in his sixth season. So that's definitely, um, something uh, to be uh, honored and obviously he will he was at the Tuesday press conference and he was asked about the 12 win season and he brought up the fact that those games were all close they're very similar to these years the games this year and how that year they were able to make that extra play offensively defensively on special teams and win those games and this year it's gone the other way and I thought that you know, for for a player obviously to say that um he understands it that this year's team obviously doesn't have the same talent level as the year two years ago, but they just outside of the Air Force, UCLA, yeah, every other game they were in. Yeah. You know, even the Oregon State game, they they Oh
1: completely. They fell in the field all the time. Yep.
0: You know, those those opportunities and sometimes having that extra talent are those are the guys that make the plays and this year they didn't have that and uh obviously being last in the Mountain West and you know either having three or four wins at the end of the season depending on what they do against Fresno is a little different than you know going 12 and 2 win, winning a bowl game and winning uh or playing a conference championship game and a bowl game
1: uh to get to that 12 12th, 12th win so we'll see yeah, it's it's interesting about that 20 um 2021 team as time has gone on, I think the talent level of that team has continued to shine and be like the idea of it has increased a whole bunch. You know, I think that I mean, what I mean by that is obviously Cameron Thomas, defense, you know, he's he's a high draft pick. Jonah Tavai, he um, became an All American the next year. Keyshawn Banks is still hanging around the Packers practice squad, um, even that many years later. Uh, Saguna Louie had his first start. Um, for Indianapolis, uh, yeah. he was the guy who was, you know, in the huddle, relaying the defensive calls, five tackles, had an interception. Um, Trenton Thompson had a start um, for Pittsburgh, was good enough in that start for Pittsburgh that they took him in, off of and that he's on the active roster as they move the guy to the IR. Um, Taylor Hawkins uh, has continued to be on the practice squad with San Francisco. Um, yeah. And so there, they're, that, that, that's a lot of people to be in the NFL still to this day um getting paychecks from NFL you know um and so i think it, it's it's uh, because of you know everything that went on with Matt Ariza, because the fact that they didn't win a conference championship um you know that year cincinnati i believe was ranked really really high so they would have never been to a new year's six bowl anyway no matter what they they would have done um but uh i think that people forget how talented that team was. And that team was just loaded. Um, we haven't even talked about the offensive side where there's NFL guys that are on the offensive side too. Um, and and I think some of what we're seeing this year is the cliche that um, when you have that much talent and you're that good, um, even when, you know, you're not good like everyone else is at the grade of the QB position, um, Teams like San Diego State, they have a hard time replacing that. And um, I think that as much as anything is what you're seeing. I mean, give me the stat. How many guys are absolutely out of eligibility after this year on this roster? Five. And that's nuts. Like that, that is absolutely nuts. That there's only five guys who have burned through all of their eligibility. And obviously, COVID plays a big role in that, but everyone yeah. has everyone has that opportunity around college football. And so like again it's it's the it's the same thing like this team 20 new starters it it I think it really showed and you know in hindsight and we were asking the questions at the time can San Diego State reload and the answer is no and I don't think that anybody should be surprised that they can't because again I mean that many NFL guys on Alabama would be hard for them to reload on um they yeah. they would they it would take them time to be able to do that much less San Diego State so add on to your point
0: in comparison is if you look at this year's team it's hard to find maybe more than one or two guys that are going to be on nfl rosters next year that's just as you said it's hard to reload every year and have eight to ten guys come out of your of your team and go into the nfl the following year like they've had over the last two years and you know, we've talked about the two guys that we think could would become NFL players when they're done with their collegiate careers are special teamers, right? Jack Browning and, and Ryan Wintermeyer. Um, I think those Jack Browning obviously uh, is out of eligibility and he could potentially, whether he's drafted or on an undrafted, I think he'll have a punting career in the NFL or an opportunity. You know, Cade Bennett is a guy we've talked about as someone that scouts have really liked as, as a guard. At the next level but it's hard to find many people after those three that you could say they're going to be in the nfl either next year or when they're done with their collegiate careers uh there's some other guys on that on that fringe but uh it's hard to say like we the last two years where you could say these guys are nfl players or they will have a shot it's it's hard to have that list this year
1: yeah i i would i would i would personally think that noah Tumblin might surprise um, I think, yeah. but again, as an undrafted guy in the same way that Trenton Thompson did, um, I, he's just, I think he's, he's. he's got really good athleticism and at, the, at that level and he's got good length, you know, um, and I, I, you know, I obviously as one of the top corners in the country, the first half of the year, it's kind of impossible to, to, to fully keep that up. Um, but the I one thing that helps
0: nice. him, the one thing that helps him is he hasn't played the position that long. And Mm. I think scouts could look at that as, yeah, he's still growing. and He's still learning and he's doing well, you know, at least at the, at the Mount West level or at the, you know, group of five level. But yeah, he's, I I, I agree with you there. He's probably a guy that will come back for his last year. Um, It would be way better if he did.
1: Take that next step before he tries to go for the NFL. but No. And then, I mean, that's, and that's the whole other thing is it's, it's, for the offseason, maybe we should keep moving on. But those 13 that could come back kind of could make or break the the roster next year for whatever yeah. coach is coming in. Um because I think all I think the vast majority of those thirteen are gonna have opportunities elsewhere, whether it's at venue State or at the FCS level at a minimum, that could they could they could go from being a very immature team to being a very mature team really quickly. Uh, Gabe Valencia, he continued. He kicked off, uh, made one field goal. They only had to punt one time, um, and you know, I, I think if you look again, it's 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 hard with with it, it it's I guess there's two sides. I've said that San, San Jose State felt like they were in control the whole game, um, but you know, it should be mentioned that San Diego State played the game that they wanted to play, and things went the way San Diego State wanted them to go. Um, obviously, the two interceptions were giant. That's part of the reason why. At least one of them, that there wasn't another punt for Browning. Uh, special teams was fine. I thought Placencia, you know, has has solidified the position. Obviously, raises the question given uh, Browning's struggles. You know, could they have done that a game or two ahead of time, um, or you know, whatever? And that and that's what coaches need to do to be able to like kind of make the big bucks and be in the position that they are. Is you know, if they had started the year with Placencia there and Browning just focused on punts and kickoffs, like would they have been better overall? Um, and yeah. you know, Placentia to his credit has made that question, uh, he made that question real because he's delivered and his kicks are strong and they're, you know what I mean? He doesn't, he looks, he looks the part. Um, and, and so that, that's, that's been a big positive and it's not easy. It's not easy to, to, to come in and, um, have somebody who's really good behind you and, you know, all of those things. So, um, Thought overall it was fine. Uh, I do want to make a mention that I thought that going into the game that um, San Diego State would have an advantage like they always do against San Jose State in special teams. Um, And that just didn't materialize. And it didn't materialize because San Diego State was expecting an onside or some sort of squib kick or some sort of, um short to the up man kick or something weird because they had their hands unit the entire time and any time that they would kick it deep it would either you know land on the one yard line the goal line which would have been perfect for a great return or and then roll into the end zone for a touchback or you know it still got to it only got to the 10 or something like that but the return but the the returners were so far up the field that they were running back with the momentum going backwards instead of forwards And all of the guys who were the blockers were not the best blockers on the team because they're wide receivers and things like that. And then they were so far up expecting these these things that they couldn't get down and form that good formation and all that stuff. And so it was an interesting tactic that I just really had not seen before um, from a, a group of five team that or any team that has, you know, a kicker who can't get a touchback every time. And, and what an advantage that has been for San Diego state, especially in the mountain West, you know, over the last 13 years, but it was completely nullified by whatever it was that San Diego state was expecting San Jose state to do. And because they countered it so strongly, they countered, you know, the swip kick, the up, the surprise on side, whatever it was, they countered that so strongly. San Jose just kicked it deep every time. And it, and it just, completely nullified and made for San Jose State kind of an advantage that should have been in San Diego State's favor. Um, And so I thought it was just great coaching and a great way to a great tactic to erase um, what should have been a disadvantage for your team.
0: Yeah, well, this is the first time all season San Jose, San Diego State played a team that had a higher special teams efficiency metric than they did.
1: Oh, there you go. Uh, But it's not because uh, they have a kicker who could just
0: crush the ball right it's yeah strategy and uh like kick return defense things like that plays yep. into that yep yeah, yep
1: but I mean I'm telling you I'm telling you that 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 we we've seen a lot of good with, with Doug Deacon. we've seen a lot of good special teams coaching um over the years um and obviously Bobby Hawk before him and things like that. Um but that was really, really good special teams and, and you know and I, I wrote it in my article um That Brent Brennan, you know, is willing to take the risk of looking stupid, of doing things that are unconventional to turn something that should be a weakness and turn it into a strength.
0: Yeah, so as we we alluded to this last game at home against Fresno State, 730 on Fox Sports 1 on Saturday night, it's the last game of the season, the last game of uh, Brady Hoke's head coaching tenure at San Diego State It's senior night. Celebrating 18 seniors, five of them are super seniors, 13 of them have the eligibility to come back for one more season, whether they want to do that at San Diego State or potentially transfer or potentially give up that last season and, and move on with football or move on to the NFL, or whatever, without getting too detailed into the X's and O's, because at this point, you know, they're playing for the old, old oil can. So there is something to play for. But, just you know, your overarching thoughts about this final game of the season that has not gone the way that um, the Aztecs would want it to go.
1: well, I would go out with the last game. I think the old oil can has the potential to be really fun this year. Um I think it's what the thirteenth year that they've done this. It doesn't have the longevity of of all the other ones. Um, but the reality is uh, only half the bowl teams more or less are going to leave their season with a trophy in their hand. Mm-hmm. And this lines up that this is the last game of the year. We've always wondered why it was the last game of the year when they used to play the divisions, but now that they don't have divisions, it's a great last game of the year and Santa Fe has the opportunity to go win a trophy and bring a trophy home. And given the fact that, you know, you start um, and I, you know, I did this in, in, in my article, but you start crossing off all the goals, all the expectations that have not been met this season well, the last one's the old oil can, right? That's still the one that's still out there in front of them. And you know, I am um, of the belief that nothing is ever um, exciting uh, on its own. That that you know, uh, I you know, I love the hearing about like when you go to a um, you'll go to Stone and you'll go to a, a trivia night. That's not like a five star event but the way you treat it by being friends and da 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 da, da, da it becomes a five star event because you treat it as if it is a five star event does that make sense and it becomes Perfect. great and fun and amazing you know i've learned that as a father like the energy that i bring as a teacher the the ridiculous not professional not top level things that i am a part of in those situations that are not you know made for a conference or whatever If you bring your heart into it and you put your emphasis into it, it can become a big deal. And that's the only way that like these rivalry trophies have ever become a big deal. It just happened to be that it was our grandfather's generation who were the ones who really were like, you know what? Let's geek about this when we're Cal and we're Stanford and we're going to win the axe. You know what I mean? Like this is a big deal. And so the old oil can they have the opportunity to play for it. I don't think that uh, for those who are going to be able to go on a Thanksgiving weekend, um, I, I think winning it, um, you know, getting in your as if we've seen them in both teams, both teams, you know, you, you get into your three point stance as the clock is running down and you race over to the other team's bench um, to be able to to get it. And, to, if, and if San Diego State's able to do that, um, you know, it would it's not the storybook ending by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a silver lining. And for the seniors and for on um, senior night and for, you know, the city and Brady Hoke's last game and all that kind of stuff. It's at least something. You know, maybe maybe it can be something that uh, uh is cared for a little bit more in the locker room because of the situation, and then, you know, be embraced and become part of an actual rivalry, which let's be honest, San Diego State lacks, right? And, yeah and so I, I think it's uh it's uh you know, San Diego sports fans, unlike you uh LA people, you know, we're 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 used to, you know seasons like this with with the professional franchises that you know we grew up around and there's something about being able to just let the past be the past and the one game that you're at and the one thing that's in front of you be like your Super Bowl you know and so I'm hoping to cover it like that and and to put the same fire and effort and end our season strong and well with our coverage as we you know continue to do um, but I, I think I, I think it's only going to be what the players and what the fans make it out to be. There's a trophy to play for, so go out and play for it.
0: Yeah, typically when we uh, we're at senior night and with the COVID eligibility, we we kind of know of a few people that have already decided that they're coming back, so they don't partake in the senior night right. festivities. I think with the uncertainty with the coach, um, you know, at least publicly, none of them have uh stated yes or no I think the only person that's made a public um answer about it was Garrett Fountain because I asked him last week at the press conference if he had thought about it and you know he gave the diplomatic answer that you know he's focused on the season and game by game and uh he'll think about it after the season and I think most most of them would probably say that anyway unless they had definitely made a decision to come back I think uh, sometimes when people have made a decision not to come back, they'd rather not say it uh, yeah. until after the season. So who knows? But I think with the coaching change, that's it's. I, I don't think anybody should be. have already made that decision at this point because you don't know where or where the direction of the pro- offense defense is going and where you fit into it. Right? With depending on who the coaching staff is. But if if I gave you the list of thirteen people seniors that are able to come back. Um I'll ask you which one I think is the most important. You ready for the list? I am ready for the list, which a second ago I had pulled up. Okay, do you want me to list make the list or you got the list? I think for our listeners, I think making the list. On the you're looking at Noah Tumblin, Garrett Fountain, Wyatt drager Sammy Tuihalamaka, vi Cajo, Cooper McDonald, Deshaun McEwen, and Devon Celestine. It's a very uh, heavy defensive list of this of these 13 guys. Then you've got Brandon Crenshaw, Dixon, and Keenan Christian on offense and Mark Redman, Brion Penny. Oh, and, and Darius Hyde, sorry. So there's five on offense. B C D Keenan, Mark Redman, Brion Penny, Darius Hyde. Out of who those do have
1: the ability to come back?
0: Did that have available? Yeah, ability to come back for one more year. Out of those 13, who do you think is the most important to next year's? Success without knowing who the head coach is going to be, but right. just based on talents long.
1: Oh man. That's a, that's a, can I, can I do one offense, one defense or is that? Cheating? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think Noah Tumbling. Um I think a shutdown corner, um, especially if, if, you know, Des Malone, um, you know, I, I would assume Des Malone would be very attractive on the transfer market with a couple years left and all that kind of stuff. Um, But if, if, and maybe Desmalone leaving makes it even more important that he's there. But I think that they could have in, in a you know a phenomenal like like since they had a quarter a cornerback tandem um, that would rival you know Luke Barku and Darren Hall or um, you know in Taylor Hawkins first year I'm, I'm blank I think it might have been Sylvan Hall playing that playing across from him on the other side um, a really incredible tandem and they obviously played lights out this year um, so he Tumlin would be uh, somebody that that would be in the contention for my overall um but not knowing the offense not knowing how things are are playing out um I would say on offense I am stuck between um Mark Redmond and Keenan Christian um uh you you said talent wise and um you know uh we've we, we've seen throughout sports, what a contract year does to players the psychological effect of, of that and both of these guys were professionals when they were in ninth grade or 10th grade everyone's telling them the nfl's in your future yeah. this is happening whenever whenever they they, they that happened it happened very early in their lives and they're both sitting there um and if they decide to come back to college which i would assume that that's what people will tell them they need to do um would be the advice uh, i think you know both of them would be undrafted free agents just based off of pure talent alone and get a get a chance but you know i think they'd be like the later kind of free undrafted free agents if that makes any sense and so i think either one of those if i had to pick one i would probably say mark redmond but i you know obviously don't know how the tight end is going to be featured in the offense next year but just the, the drop-off in, in age between him and then, you know, Cam Harpool and, and things yeah. and that. So those would be my two. You?
0: Yeah, I was going to go Tumbling and Redmond too. I think Tumbling, we've talked about that. Another name to throw out there is probably Garrett Fountain, only because the defensive line is so young. Absolutely. Uh, if you lose your best defensive lineman and your most experienced, you know, that could be a big, big blow. Uh, now, Garrett Found's productivity and his, you know, his TFLs and sacks, you know, weren't really high this year, but still, his veteran leadership—he was a captain—I think that stuff is important uh, to have along with his talent. I think he is a good defensive end. The thing with Redmond, and you alluded to it right at the end of your uh, uh, discussion, was like just the tight ends took a big hit in depth this year with so many guys. Mm-hmm. Aaron Green medical retirement. Uh, J.P. Murphy transferred, Gus, uh, Gus McGee, and then J.J. Um, so Rudolph during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that was a big hit, and they, they were basically down to three tight ends, you know, with Hannah Harpole and Logan Tanner. And then Logan Tanner didn't get them. They were really only using two tight ends all season. And Des Melton, he was a Louisville transfer. I don't think he got in the game at all on offense. Uh, maybe a couple snaps early in the season, sure. and then uh, Max DeFilippo, Max Filippo, who was a junior college transfer, he didn't end up. I don't think he dressed. No, that he wouldn't travel. Time. No,
1: it was it was it was yeah, it was, yeah that that uh, I mean, one of the things that in when you travel when traveling with the team, you know, the tight ends warm up in the corner of the end zone and then throughout the end zone. And yeah. that room, that room, <laughs> you know, the number right, of yeah. kids, they, they it strength. So um after Rudolph, you know, left, they 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 were only traveling with four. So yeah. So no, I think I,
0: Redmond, just because of that little lack of depth that tight end, um, I think you can make up you have the depth in the running back room without a Keenan Christian in there because everybody else is is coming back. I, or assuming, you know, there's no transfers, right? But we know there will be. But at least looking at it on paper right now, every other running back in the room is uh, eligible for at least two more seasons. So you would think that they're coming back and they're looking to make their mark, whoever whoever that is. So yeah, that's why I leaned Redmond there. Um, You could also look at BCD and say experienced tackle that can play both on the left and the right side is would be very um, would make a new head coach pretty happy to have a guy like that. Absolutely. And a new offensive line coach, assuming that there is a new offensive line coach, um, so having that experienced guy that can play left and right tackle would guard, be pretty
1: nice. Guard, if you needed him to, yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, I mean, it'd be, I, you know. it'd
0: be nice to have that kind of a uh, depth and uh, experience for the guy like BCD. So those are some names. I mean, obviously, it's going to be up to the new coaching staff really to determine who fits best in these but there's there's some big names here that if they decide not to come back are, are going to be losses
1: for the team for next year. I agree. I agree. Um by Kaho, uh, you know, again, it's 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 a guy who adds depth, a guy who's played a lot of snaps. Guys like them at that age, it's the equivalent of San Diego State getting a four-star recruit for next year. Like in 2024, if they were to get a, if they were to get 13 four-star recruits in terms of production that they would have on the field the 13 seniors who are coming back will be better than those four-star recruits like overall not in their whole career just for 2024 they most likely would be better than the totality if you would if you would, if you were going to build a team and you were going to say Andre do you want four four-star freshmen or do you want yeah I'm sorry do you want 13 four-star freshmen or do you want 13 Five year seniors, which one is going to probably give you the best chance to win football? Well, I don't know about that one. Oh, God. Really? I don't even think it's I I don't even,
0: I think it's like, it's, you got to, you got, I got to know who those 13, uh, 50 year seniors are.
1: These 13, 15 years, 50 year seniors. So and then
0: if- I'd have them versus 13 four star true freshmen. Yep. I don't
1: know, man. That's a tough one. Oh gosh, I don't I would I would I would uh yeah oh man the uh oh I don't even think it's four, four think star freshmen.
0: freshmen there aren't that many four star freshmen in in uh
1: the true you give me thirteen draft, of them and I got thirteen actual, of them. Oh I think that makes them worse. If they oh, all man. had play, if they all had to play together. Oh man, I don't even think it's not I well, maybe, maybe I'm crazy. But I would well, think about it this way Marcus Ratcliffe was a three star, right? Okay. So, you and
0: you give me what if he gave me 13 Mike Mark type Marcus Ratcliffe types,
1: and those are even, not even four stars. Guys, yeah, are gonna that's, play. But, but see, that's, that's that's the thing is that is that I mean, that's part of the unknown is that those 13 guys, how many other freshmen came in with Marcus Ratcliffe? Um, 14 or 15, I think was the class right and and how many of those guys came in and actually were good enough to be able to play and the vast majority of freshmen like three, have, four. right the vast majority of freshmen that's the issue with them you know, but none and, of them were four-star guys fair enough Fair enough. I, like i said i would love to, to, to see what those are but i don't i don't think it's even close and I, don't, I think like if you uh if you asked that to nick saban i think he would take these guys like the the, the number of true freshmen who come into and make a giant impact, I think, is incredibly small. Anyway, the point is, I my opinion, it is whatever the number is, but the the I, I think that it it has the potential to be really, really an impactful thing. Flip side of it is, this team has a lot of issues, and you know, yeah, if if the, those thirteen obviously are the people that they most were hoping would correct these issues, and and you know that that hasn't happened, so. Remember, they're also
0: starting just this, the numbers game with seven open scholarships. Like, they didn't fill with all the midseason transfers and the open scholarships they had even before the season started. Like, only Martin Blake, as a walk on, got a scholarship. So, like, with all this, the number shuffling, they're already seven, they already have seven open scholarships. Just to give to anybody, anyway, right? No, They're in these thirteen.
1: It's so it's so interesting. It's so interesting because talking just like digging a different topic. Given how much they in theory should have ready for next year, I would argue that they are a really good QB away, a QB and one really good receiver away from being a really good team. Uh, maybe a defensive line, you know whatever, just because those guys are all gonna grow up. I mean we've seen um what some of these younger guys said. But going back to you know the 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 sources who said that Hoke said that he was fired, um which you know, multiple times he went out of his way to talk about how this was his decision, did it again at this last press conference um talked about, you know how he's been thinking about this since before the season started, all that kind of stuff. But you could make whatever narrative you think, you could make what we're describing fit into what you think. Because on the one hand, like why would you leave if you were Brady Hope when at at three and you know, four and eight, four, whatever the record ends up being, when you know that you're so close to being able to finish with like a really good record? The flip side of it is why would you, if you were JD Wicker and understanding everything that we just said, risk losing all of the upperclassmen, all of the younger classmen by forcing your coach out at this position at this time. Like if you were going to do that, you would have done that last year because they weren't, you know what I mean? Like they, they could be a veteran team, which is how San Diego state and most groups of five actually end up winning um, is when those guys go up. So it's just interesting. Like you could make the argument either way, like of which one that it supports just because it's just, it's, it's just the dynamic of how it is. I mean, they they literally could forfeit having all of these veteran guys come back and be at that point where like the really good teams at San Diego state have been because they decide to change coaches. Yeah.
0: A lot to think about. Obviously they got to play one more game. Um, Fresno state. Do um, you have a prediction for this game?
1: Prediction: for Fresno state. Um, You know it's it's hard to see san diego state scoring enough points to be able to win with everything that has been going on so i i don't i don't think they're going to be able to take the um oil can back with them i will say that uh you know i think fresno state has done a really good job at being able to get qbs i don't think they're very good unless their qb is good um and so if they can get you know obviously they're on their second quarterback Um, If Vice continues to be the guy who's there, I think San Diego State's got a puncher's chance. Um, But it's hard after watching them five weeks in a row, be close to all these teams and not be able to finish it. Um, So uh, I I think it'll it'll reach six games. The losing streak.
0: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna go twenty seven twenty Fresno, winning. I think it's the last home game. I think they can put up. Some big some plays offensively to score twenty points, but yeah, I think Fresno might be too much. They're also, although they're not playing for a conference championship anymore, they're trying to get to ten wins for the third straight year. Um, they want to play in a better bowl
1: game. That's not a chance for them, right? What's yeah? Record?
0: They're eight they and three.
1: Seven. Oh, I was looking at their conference record. They're eight Dude, and three. How, they can how they 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 win. To, how do they lose to New Mexico? I don't know. <laughs>
0: I haven't bothered to watch the film on that one. Uh, it is Thanksgiving week, so my my time is uh, limited this week. What's funny is it was Saturday night. I was walking around. I was hanging out with some friends at a cigar bar, local friends, and then uh, they went home. The state game ended, and then I'm walking back to my hotel, and I run into John Schaefer and uh, one of the SDSU guys, media guys, and then you know we start walking around and we're watching F1 and like, I think it was John Schaefer was like, did you see New Mexico beat Fresno State? I was like, there's no way. Yeah. And, I, and He showed me on his phone. He was like, look, look at the score. And I was like, wow. And like, we were in shock. Like, how did that happen? There's just no way we would have imagined that in Fresno, with Fresno a chance to win or go to the conference championship, win the conference championship that they would lose. To New Mexico at home, a New Mexico team that was like basically ready to fire their coach uh, at at the end of the season, you know. And now I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen with Danny Gonzalez. Crazy stuff happens, which is why you would think that one of these games, San Diego State would have would have pulled out instead of losing. You know, eight out of
1: nine. Uh, No, I agree. Yeah, but and that's and but it's been all over the conference. If you would have told me, going after watching in person Air Force demolish san diego state where yeah. it you know don't get into that too much but they and you would have told me that they would be fighting for their conference life against um boise state this week and that um you know unlv after not beating a team with a winning record the whole year you know would take down two very physical teams um which i think are just incredibly impressive for them yeah so i think there's there's a lot there i think it's it's going to be a similar game. San Diego State. i'm gonna be a similar game every team in the conference has um has attacked sdsu on the ground they've become a ground first team uh, i would expect fresno state to do the same thing uh that's where san diego state's vulnerable and um you know when you have tackling issues and your quarterback you know has trouble and turnover prone etc um you know, that's that's what you want to do. And San Diego State has not been able to stop the run. Um, it looked like, as you said, they had won the time of possession, limited the number of of snaps that San Jose State got, and they still got 180 yards on the ground uh without, you know, didn't even get to 30 rushes. And I, I, I expect that to be the case, which means San Diego State's gonna counter that with their own running attack. So it's gonna be a few possessions and the, the, the team that is able to score touchdowns instead of field goals or the team, obviously turnovers, you know, um, play a big part in this, but the team that's able to to finish their drives with touchdowns is going to be the team that wins. And unfortunately that hasn't been San Diego state who continues to have to rely on field goals. um, Even, you know, when they get down deep into, you know, the opposition's territory. All right, guys,
0: that's going to do it for us. Um, Look forward to seeing you guys out there on the final home game of the season Saturday night for the battle for the old oil can as always we appreciate you guys for tuning in uh thank you for liking subscribing sharing following the podcast on your favorite platforms and we'll talk to you guys next time you are listening to the sdsu podcast presented by the east village times with your hosts andre Hagverdian and paul garrett